Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton, a 19-year-old from the Bay Area studying psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. She Persisted is the teen mental health podcast made for teenagers by a teen. In each episode, I'll bring you authentic, accessible, and relatable conversations about every aspect of mental wellness. You can expect evidence-based teen-approved resources, coping skills, including lots of DBT, insights, and education in each piece of content you consume. She Persisted offers you a safe space to feel validated and understood in your struggle while encouraging you to take ownership of your journey and build your life worth living. So let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to She Persisted. I'm so excited for today's episode. It is one of the most profound, inspiring, just amazing conversations that I've ever been a part of, and I'm so grateful to Dr. Edgar for sitting down with me and having this conversation. If you aren't familiar with her work, she is a psychologist, New York Times bestselling author, a dancer, and a Holocaust survivor. When she was 16, her and her family were sent to Auschwitz, and her parents were immediately sent to gas chambers. But due to her bravery, her and her sister were kept alive and lived in the concentration camps for many months. So during their time there, her and her sister were subjected to a lot of torture, abuse, and Edith even came face to face with the angel of death, Dr. Joseph Mengele. When she was liberated in 1945, Edith struggled a lot with suicidal depression, survivor's guilt, and all of the aftermath of the trauma that she endured during her time at Auschwitz and the other concentration camps. But after 20 years of suppressing her story and emotions, Edith began to share her experiences to help others work through their PTSD and traumas. Today, at 94 years old, Dr. Edgar is a prolific author, practicing psychologist, professor, speaker, and advocate. She's an amazing team behind her that is helping her share her story, share her wisdom. So you can follow her on Instagram, check out her website. She has two phenomenal books out, and she has a course coming out soon. So in this conversation, Dr. Edgar and I discuss why it's so important to live in the present, what happens when we suppress emotions, working through difficult emotions like guilt, anger, and uncertainty, taking accountability, acting with kindness, how crucial in our dialogues are, and Dr. Edgar's experiences with suicidal ideation after being liberated, and lastly, her life today, the life she's built for herself, what her inner monologue looks like, the relationships she engages in, what makes her happy, what brings her joy, etc. So if you want to hear more about Dr. Egger's story, she's an amazing documentary called I Danced for the Angel of Death. It was done by PBS, and there's a link in the show notes. There's a ton of information on her website, Instagram, and her course is also linked in these show notes if you want to continue to learn from Dr. Egger. So with that, let's dive into this conversation. You have the most incredible story. I have so many questions to talk to you about the life lessons that you've learned over the years, the wisdom that you have to share. But I would love to lay a foundation for listeners and get your perspective from when you were a teenager, when you were 16 years old and your life really changed forever. I'd like to tell you that when you were a little girl, when I was a little girl, I was taught that boys are going to be a somebody, that they're going to be a lawyer or a doctor. But I was told to find somebody. So there is a different message that you carry with us. And I think we can rewrite our script. But I know that I was not told to become a somebody. I was told to find somebody who will hopefully 
like my looks and like my body and like hopefully my brain as well but it was not that important it was most important is that the external was the kind of person that will attract the boy i so i think uh, it's important to talk about goals and i like to call it an arrow that you follow okay because if i when i came to america i came from germany to new york but in the english channel there was a big storm and i could see that that we were going somewhere else but then they came back see we didn't go to china we came from germany but we had to take a side road and make it uh, more practical and i think it's very important what we do that we empower people that we're not better than or less than anybody else that is just one of me that is only one of you there never be and that's exciting isn't it it's an amazing opportunity yes it is and and i hope that you are a good role model because children don't do what we say the children do what they see yeah yeah you talk about how no one is better than anyone else and that we really are all equal and i know you've spoken about how you've struggled with survivor's guilt after auschwitz and you kind of grapple with the fact of what makes me different we're all equal so why am i still here what was that like to navigate when i was liberated i was among the dead yeah. and i could see that people would go through the gate and then after a while they would come back you know if you have chance to read dr seligman's writing about the learned helplessness mm-hmm. that, that we were told every day that the only way i will get out of here as a corpse and you know it was important to know that they could put me in the in the gas chamber i could not have any control over that but the way i learned to respond the way i learned at night to have my dream that i'm going to meet my boyfriend and i'm going to show him that i have beautiful eyes and i have beautiful hands so i think there was still time to to remember the memories and to be able to hopefully know that this is temporary and i can survive it everything is temporary you went through so much challenge as a young teenager you were very young when you navigated this do you think that helped you navigate challenges later on in life or do you wish that you would have navigated such a challenge in adulthood instead i knew that i had to be in a present what i could have done you know i think there are two things that you want to get rid of and one is in a past it's called guilt i could have done i should have done you know my parents had tickets to come to america and they never did so one thing is guilt and the other one is worry that we worry about what if this happens what if that happens i think is 
it's good. I live in the present and I think young, but not young and foolish. Yeah. Not childish, but childlike. So I think it's important to think about your thinking because that will create your feelings. And that is what you can change every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. It's very important that you are at such a young age and yet you have an old soul and 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 you let that spirit guide you and that's mm-hmm. very very mature for your age thank you but you're a huge advocate like you just touched on about feeling our emotions so that we can heal from them why do you think that some people do get stuck in that anger and that grief and that rage after traumatic experiences well anger is not a primary emotion you know you either vent anger what i did i suppressed it yeah and i didn't tell anyone i was in auschwitz close to 20 years until i read men's search for meaning so i think it's very important when you get up in the morning and you look at life as one day because that morning sunshine will not come back. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to live in a present because I can only touch you now. Yeah. So it's good, it's good to ask for what you want. You learn to negotiate and you learn to compromise. Mm-hmm. That's what marriage is all about. Yeah. So I ask people, don't ask, how are you? I think that's a very stupid question. Mm-hmm. It's better to say, gee, it's good to see you. I miss you. Okay. But don't don't ask, how are you? Because people say fine when they're not. And I think it's very important to think about our thinking. When you got to the point 20 years after you were liberated and you started working through this and no longer suppressing the anger, Do most survivors cope in such an effective way and work through it and let go of that anger and rage? Or do many people not cope as effectively? I think each of us have done things differently. Mm -hmm. I went to my sister and I asked her to come back to Auschwitz Mm -hmm. because I lost our family and I never went to a funeral. And I want to honor my parents. And she told me I'm an idiot. So it we had different way of looking at the same thing. Mm-hmm. I am glad I did go back because my whole theory is about revisiting the places where you've been and relive that experience. But you're not there, you're here. Mm-hmm. And I'm holding your hand. And then, of course, I like to say, my daughter calls it Edeisms. Are you revolving or are you evolving? Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that you are like that butterfly, that you're evolving. And then you shed the chrysalis. And then you don't go back, you have a new beginning. I love that. Another piece of wisdom that I kept hearing you speak to when I was preparing for the conversation was how much we experience grief in different areas of our life, in your journey, in other things that people navigate. 
do you think that we ever stop grieving or that we need to, or it's something that is ever present? I don't think there are problems, there are challenges, and I don't think, I don't think there is a crisis, no midlife crisis, but there is a midlife transition. Mm -hmm. I think the transition is important that I, I tell people, people in their midlife to be able to become whole people, W-H-O-L-E, that you have a mind and you have a body and you have a heart and a soul, that you become congruent, that you are well connected with you, because that's the only one you're going to have for a lifetime, is you. All other relationship is going to end. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. We touched on at the beginning how much uncertainty you faced. There was nothing that you didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. You didn't know when liberation was going to come. What was that like to, to sit with? There is, no, there is no certainty and there is no guarantee. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think there is a probability yeah, if you want something, I learn to negotiate, I learn to compromise, I tell you what's in it for you, and I think it's not just good to ask questions, it's better to make statements. I feel, I think, I would like, willing, that kind of a statement, to stay mm -hmm. with the I, because no one can argue with me, because I'm telling you where I am and how I feel and what I want and what I'm willing, that's a very good word, willing to be willing to compromise. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you want something, but the price is not right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's key. And it was a huge shift that I saw in myself and my peers when I was going through treatment was going from that point of willfulness to then being willing and to being an active participant in recovery and wanting to get better, feel better, and work through things. Yeah. I think I think chronological age is not so important than your maturity and the way you think before you say anything, whether it's important, whether it's necessary, but most of all, is it kind? Mm -hmm. If it's not kind, don't say it. Yeah. You talk a lot about the untapped potential in shadow. I would love to hear from you. What do you think yeah. suffering teaches us and what you learn from your own experience, suffering and navigating challenges? I think Carl Jung is very correct when he talks about the shadow. Mm -hmm. I think they are tremendous potential in a place like Auschwitz that I discovered my inner resources. I didn't wait for anything to come from the outside. Mm -hmm. And I remember that's what my ballet master told me. And he used the word ecstasy, which I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> but he told, he told me to look for ecstasy coming from the inside out. I remember remembering that when I was in Auschwitz, 
mm-hmm. that not to wait for anybody to come and liberate me, that I had to be very careful, learn to respond and not to react. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why, that's why I ask people, don't call me a shrink, call me a stretch. I love so that. Today, yeah, today we're stretching people's comfort zone because you may ask yourself, is this the best I can do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You became a psychologist after working through all your own trauma, and now you help people navigate similar challenges. What is your favorite part of doing that work as a therapist? I think the biggest part is to be a guide. Uh, from darkness to light, from prison to freedom, because the biggest prison is in our own mind and the key is in our pocket. Mm -hmm. And that is very important to find the key. And that means courage. I think courage is a very important word in my vocabulary, to have the courage to ask what I wanted to ask and let people know what I'm willing to compromise. And I think it's very important to learn how not to demand. So there's a difference between assertive. Assertive people choose for themselves. Non-assertive people allow other people to choose for you. And aggressive people choose for others. So you be very careful. Sometimes the people who are non-assertive allow other people to choose for them. But then they can blame them, not realizing that they have not taken responsibility. There is no freedom without responsibility. It's anarchy. This week's episode is brought to you by Teen Counseling. As you know, Dr. Edgar is a practicing psychologist. She's a huge proponent of therapy. As she mentioned, she likes to call herself a stretch, not a shrink, and is so passionate about guiding people through their shadow work, working through their struggles, emotions, etc. So I thought it would be perfect to share Teen Counseling with you. Teen Counseling is BetterHelp's online therapy program for teenagers. They have over 14,000 licensed therapists in their network, and they offer support on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, and so much more. What you do is you go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. You fill out a survey about what your goals are, what you're hoping to focus on, and they match you with a therapist that specializes in that area. So if you want to focus on anxiety, they'll match you with an anxiety specializing therapist. If you're hoping to work through trauma, they'll match you with someone that specializes in PTSD, etc. So after that, you can meet with a therapist via talk, text, or video counseling, depending on what level of support you're looking for. It's a great way to dip your toe in the water. You don't have to worry about super long intake appointments and waiting lists for clinicians near you. You're able to quickly get mental health support. So if you want to try out teen counseling, you can go to teencounseling.com slash she persisted. Again, that is teencounseling.com slash she persisted to find a therapist today. What is one step that people can take to reclaim that responsibility and start taking accountability for their part of things? I think your inner dialogue is extremely important. The way you talk to yourself will make or break your whole life. Yeah. You know, if, if you change your thinking, 
you may change your whole life. And I think that's very important to think about your thinking and pay attention what you're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Any behavior you pay attention to, you reinforce that behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you're losing weight and say, I'm not going to think about food, you're going to think about food. Yeah, yeah. How do you speak to yourself now that you've done all this work to navigate through the anger and the trauma and the rage and forgiveness? How do you speak to yourself today? I would say, what do I want? Mm -hmm. What do I want? Because what I want may not be necessary. Yeah. May not be, you know, I, I think you have to prioritize. What is important for me to give up the need for other people's approval. Mm -hmm. If you like me, fine, it's fine. But if not, I'm not going to feel that I'm going rejected. I'm not rejected. Rejection is just an English word that people make up to express a feeling when you don't get what you want. So give up the drama. Nobody rejects me but me. Yeah. My last question to wrap up on is about the life that you've created for yourself since you were liberated in 1945. You bring so much inspiration to other people. You bring so much hope. What are you cherished today in life? What do you look forward to? What have you prioritized to live a life that you have worked so hard to build? You know, when I was in Auschwitz, I would often ask myself, does anyone know that I'm here? Mm -hmm. I felt like I was just thrown out because maybe I did something bad. I started to blame myself. I could have, I should have. You know, I think it's very, very important not to blame because while you blame, you're still a child. Mm -hmm. I think it's so what is important today to live in a present because the past is gone, the future is not yet. I can only touch you now. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that that's what you're saying. You're 18, but no but. And you are uh, looking forward to become a woman. And that means that you want to ask for what you want. You learn to negotiate and you're not going to get anything and everything. Mm -hmm. It's good to be realistic, but not mm -hmm. idealistic. You can, you can dream as much as you want, but don't confuse uh, reality with idealism. So That's I like so people to be realistic rather than idealist. Mm -hmm. Do you still dance after being liberated and having that be so involved in your trauma? Is that something that you've reclaimed? When, when I was liberated and I was in a hospital and my parents didn't come home mm -hmm. and I was told that my boyfriend was killed, I became very suicidal. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't have anything to live for. 
And, and thank God I, I didn't act upon it. I, I heard that voice that if you die, you'll never find out what's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and that, I think, is good to ask yourself how you can be for something rather than against. Mm-hmm. I am for life, for doing everything I can at 94 to see to it that when I go to classroom, when I talk to the young people in, in class, ask them to stay in the school and listen to the teacher and learn how to dance because, of course, life is a dance. Mm-hmm. And what rhythm do you use? And dancing is, in my life, is the most important. So I, I hope that you go to dance as well. And, and at 18, you're moving towards becoming a woman of strength. Not a strong woman, but a woman of strength. I love that. Listeners can get your book. You have a course coming out soon. You have so much amazing content and words of wisdom for people to consume. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. I have three children. Mm-hmm. I have five grandchildren. And I have seven great-grandsons. Oh, my that, goodness. I consider that my revenge to Hitler. I love that so much. And it's it's beautiful and it's amazing. And I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of She Persisted. If you enjoyed, make sure to share with a friend or family member. It really helps out the podcast. And if you haven't already, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also make sure to follow along at at She Persisted Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok and check out all the bonus resources, content, and information on my website, ShePersistedPodcast.com. Thanks for supporting, keep persisting, and I'll see you next week.